VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 692, recorded on August 9th, 92nd edition of the TV Gaming Podcast and the 525th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzel. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Alright. So, um, I've been playing two games. Um, one is Baldur's Gate 3, which I have uninstalled. I don't understand how people are saying it's the new standard and all that. Yeah, it's Baldur's Gate. I've played it before. And it's not that deep. It's not as deep as people want to make or want to think it. And there's just so much else that I'm playing that I just, you know, after getting into the Goblin City, I just completely lost interest for a while. I'm going to come back at some point. But it's just rubbing me the wrong way, so I'm not playing it. What I did, what I did play is Strange Horticulture. <laughs> which has been on PC, and it's now out on console. And it's a nice little, uh, I'm not going to call it a walk, a walking, you know, um, a walking simulator, but it's more like, I mean, a visual novel. But basically all you're doing is looking up plants, seeing if they fit, using plants, and if you get it wrong, well, if you get it wrong three times, then you have to do some puzzle. It's basically a puzzle game, but I was enjoying the story. It's kind of dark and moody and... And very, you know, Lovecraftian. So I was enjoying that. And then I I downloaded a game that just came out today. And that is a new football game. I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? Um, which, I'm sorry, which one? (laughs) Okay, it's the, um, oh, god damn it, it's, um, uh, oh, oh damn it! It's it was released today. I'm gonna edit this out. October ninth, August. Um, there's a new game. It's based on. It's like um, it's basically a uh, take on Legend Bolt. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I just started playing a game called Legend Bowl, and it's basically Tecmo Bowl. But mixed with a hardcore simulator, and it has a deep franchise mode. So picture a something like Madden, except not stupid, with a deep, with a deep, uh, um, with a deep franchise mode, and great gameplay. Sort of like Super Mega Baseball Four, except for football. And it's been out on on PC, and it's gotten rave reviews. So I'm looking. I'm really enjoying this one. Imagine playing Tecmo Bowl, except it's a deep football simulator. Hmm. Sounds pretty decent, at least. Uh, just look it up. I don't know what, what, what... I know it's out on Xbox. Let me see what other uh, consoles it's out on. It's probably, it's probably not an Xbox exclusive. It's also out on Switch. 
and I'm willing to bet you it's also out on um, on uh, PlayStation. I just need to see the platforms. Because I know it's been out on... Oh, yeah, it's on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's been available on PC. So, yeah, it's... If, if you really want to play a football game that's deep with a franchise mode, you should check out uh, Legend Bowl. It's only, like, 15 bucks. Or, actually, no, it's 20, $23. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, uh, what have you been playing, Scott? I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3, and I didn't <laughs> uninstall it. Uh, I've been enjoying it. It, uh, it, it, it. it definitely feels like a Baldur's Gate game in a Divinity Engine uh, game, which you know it was is not a surprise or a shock. Um, and I think I like some of the characters. Some of them are kind of jerks, and it's hard to really relate to them. So I can see that being kind of a turnoff. Uh, I am enjoying the story so far. Uh, I've been doing like so much side stuff. I feel like I haven't even really delved into whatever the main quest is. Because right now it's just like get these mind things out of me or out of the, the character's heads. But I don't think that's really the main uh, problem in the story. I, I, I don't know what that is yet. I, I, I've... Uh, I've gotten off the ship, I, you know, we crashed and went and explored a temple to Jurgle, uh, or Jurgal, whatever, however it's pronounced. Uh, he's basically the scribe of the dead. And uh, then I found a druid en- enclave and they needed to be protected by uh, from goblins. And they're doing this whole ritual thing and I need to go find this uh, master druid. Or head through it to you know save the uh, tieflings, and boy are there a lot of tieflings all of a sudden in in D and D because I thought they were supposed to be extremely rare. So they're not I mean, demons, they're devilkin. I well they're yeah they're devilkin, but it, like that's supposed to be a rare thing, you know. That's kind of well, that's you know, why they're all congregated in the druids thing. Have you have you had sex with a bear yet? No, <laughs> I have not. That's I, I, I think I, I don't know how you. Do that. If you're a druid, you can turn into a bear and then have sex with people. Okay. While while still as a bear. Well, I'm I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on the actual. Well, that's the hot story. new meme about Baldur's Gate right now. People are talking about bear sex scenes. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, I mean that's. I'm, I'm glad that you know that the game does give you options to blur or you know censor that if you uh, want to. I was very I shocked that you could customize your penis in the game. I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see that. You can make yourself. Either. You can make yourself circumcised or uncircumcised. Uh, Someone said you could change the size of it, but I haven't seen that option. All I know is you can change your either your cut or uncut and what color it is. Yeah. Okay. Just, I, yeah, like a few different molds. That's all. Yeah. I didn't buy the game to be a porn game, so I'm not. See, that on was that. a lot of the complaints on on the uh, Steam forum. People are so prudish. I said, uh, um, you do know that the ESRB is m- mature, right? And you did read the description of the uh, of the game, right? Why are you so shocked? Definitely not shocked. No, I, I knew this was in there. Just saying that that that's not been my focus of the game. And then people are, are actually... complaining about everybody becoming gay for you. And the response is, listen, um, change your character into a female. You'll find everybody's flirting with you as well. Yeah, they're 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 player sexual. They're... <laughs> 
male, fe- male, female, whatever race, doesn't matter. You'd be dragonborn and they're still doing the same thing. It's like you, you might as well not even you might as well just be like a glass silhouette thing there and they'll just yeah. flirt with you. It doesn't matter what you look like. I mean, you can choose a male body and give it a vagina if you want to. Mm-hmm. I think it's just amazing. Like the whole point of all of that, including the bear thing and the druid thing, is that like there's a they, they packed so much, so many different interactions into the game at any given point like the way in which you can interact with the world the objects within it your enemies your allies i watched i i saw a clip where somebody literally stacked like 40 apple crates on top of each other and then climbed on top of it and used their levitation ability to get over a locked castle wall and i thought wow you could just do that you could just completely skip whatever quest you would have to do to get the key or, or get them to lower the drawbridge and just sneak in by way of, of box stacking and levitation spell. That's silly as shit. And I love it. Yeah. There, there was a, there was a crypt in the, the, the temple of Jurgle where there was a bunch of traps I had to find and disarm them just so I can get into the crypt or, you know, the, what was in the tomb. A lot of people have been complaining that um, the AI pathfinding is stupid and your teammates will start walking over the uh, the traps you just discovered. It's like, oh. Yeah, but that's always kind of been a thing in Larian games where the AI just kind of follows Larian, you and doesn't think about it. The problem is that the combat is not very good. It's functional, but I don't know. It's... I've played Baldur's Gate before, and I don't know. I mean, combat's like I said, not very good. is like the create the creative part is really fun to me. Mm-hmm. And also, one thing I predicted uh, since I first played it three years ago on day one of early access, people are going to despise the random number generator. And then Larian has this thing in which you can have it weirdly it's random. It's like, well, that's even worse now, isn't it? I mean, here's the, the thing. Dice, you mean? Yeah, here's the thing in real. In real uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you're playing with a DM. Uh, yeah, you have saving throws, but if you do something smart, the DM will say, "Yeah, you got it. You are not even going to bother with a roll. Just you get XP just for thinking about it." Some Here, DMs it's like no uh, good DMs do that unless you're unless you're Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Okay, I mean, I had a D&D campaign where I kept coming up with uh, good, um, charismatic speeches to say, and because I rolled a one, I flubbed the speech and didn't get to use the speech. So they didn't yeah, give a but, shit that I came up and put in effort to come up with a good speech. Uh, a good DM will allow you to roleplay it. And here's the thing. Uh, early in the game, um, if you try to examine a mind flare, the wounded mind flare... Um, if you fail a roll, it says, up. Oh, it took control of you. Game over. Can you imagine DM doing that? It's like two hours into the... Imagine... No, no, no. Two hours into the campaign. says, up. Oh, you failed your saving throw. Okay, game over. Nice job, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week, right? And the players will go, I don't think so. Right, but that's why you it's not before you do that interaction. That, I know that, but imagine doing that in role, real life role playing. Sure, but... It's I, no, I it's it's bad. It's bad design. Quickly. It's a bad design. See, now hold on. You can say no, bad design in one the, part, but I can say good design in another part. Where like, if you're a necromancer and you don't have a corpse around you that you can raise to help you in battle, just have one of your strongest characters put a corpse in their in their inventory and whip it out when you need it. And then <laughs> and then when they drop it on the floor, you can necromance that. Well, that's a bag of holding. So. 
But like that's that's the kind of stuff I love. That's the other thing is I, I do like the fact that um yeah it doesn't tell you you're over you know what's called you're overburdened or you, you don't have enough so you apparently can pick up everything in the universe and it won't tell you your bag is full or anything like that. At least I haven't encountered that yet. Comfort. Yeah, but mm, that's fine. I, I just hate it when I'm in a game like uh, System Shock 2 and there's no space for something I just picked up. I you know, really have to applaud their ingenuity and uh, when it comes to interactions in the world, though. That was something it's I fine. really like about... I mean, it's fine, but like you could do a million D things and still come up with new stuff. It, it just feels like you've played 1% of the game and you... I've, I've, played. I've played this game. Well, I, mean, I played this game. Although I do like the fact that they, um, the reason why that they said that you should uninstall the game is that when I played it, <clears throat> the full ver- release version, there was a lot of stuff added to the first act, which was not there before. Like now I can actually save that kid by reading uh, that druid's mind and and using that to convince her to leave the kid alone. Right. So. I was a paladin, and I, 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 uh, I told her, let me judge her as a paladin, and she let me, and I got her off with that way. But um, no, I just used, read her mind, and I cheated that I way, quote-unquote yeah. cheated. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, is that there's like a million different answers to every situation. Yeah. I guess. It just it's depends just... on how you want to play. I'm just saying it's not the be-all, end-all that people are making it out to be. I think that depends on how you play. And I, well, that's fine. I've, I've played a lot of role-playing games. I've played a lot of role-playing games like Baldur's Gate. And, you know, I, I am not, I'm not someone who, who, who gets blinded by hype. You know, I play games and I know if it's good or not. I mean, I played a game like this a long time ago. It was called uh, Dragon Age Origins. But that was also a good game. And no, I, I went into this game with very, very low expectations, and I was very pleasantly surprised at how much stuff I can do and interact with and just enjoy myself in the game and just kind of get lost and try to figure out what things are going game on. It has one other, ga- uh, one other problem, and that is um, it's very cluttered. And I'm not even thinking about the UI. I'm thinking about the actual... The actual spaces, because when I'm walking, I feel like, where am I Where am I going? Uh, what? You need to be either closer or further away. You know, you have, either have to do a Mass Effect or you have to do a, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another example of that. Maybe, right. Pathfinder, maybe Pathfinder. You know, because Baldur's Gate 3, I don't know, there's something repulsive about the way you move around the world. It just doesn't feel right. I don't know what you mean. I, I move around just fine. Uh... Yeah. I mean, when I'm walking around the first area, it's like, okay, this is not helping. I mean, if you decided what you decided, then there's no... No, it's not, it's not that. It's that, just that, but... here's the thing. I can put off Baldur's Gate 3 for a while and keep my, my uh, hard drive. You just, you just seem to want an on-rails... I know, I do not. Uh, Dragon Age Origins was not on-rails, and uh, neither are a lot of other games. I mean, I prefer off-rails. Like, I love City Decay, too, because that's completely off-rails. No, um, I, I agree with you, Jonah, is that it sounds like you were looking for something very specific, and it's not quite hitting that note yet. I mean, I, I, I can step away from a game and come back to it. Sure. You know, I played it in early access. I played it now, and it's like, okay, 
This is a Baldur's Gate game. What's next? Oh, I hope I don't feel that way about Starfield. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever. I played I this before. Starfield's going to be even more open world. I know. <laughs> I wonder if they'll, I able, I wonder if they'll be, allow you to customize your penis in Starfield, too. <laughs> I think they should have that. I mean, Saints Row did it. I get the feeling there's going to be new discoveries about Baldur's Gate that are going to be happening for, like, the next seven years or so. I, you know. uh, here's the thing. Lyrian's been doing a lot of hotfixes. They, they've already done their second hotfix since launch. Yeah, because it's an enormous game. That, yeah. In fact, like, have you seen Diablo 4 and what they're doing to that game? Because that one's pissing Oh, God. I, uh, uh, yeah, people are quitting Diablo 4. I haven't played Diablo 4 yet. Because I know that there's going to be a, mer- uh, you know, when when uh, Actors and Blizzard King is officially part of Microsoft, I'll just play it on Game Pass. Fuck that noise. You know, yeah. that's fine. I just think that, like, the fact that the scope of Baldur's Gate 3 is so large and they've only had to do, like, two hotfixes with it is pretty impressive. You know, I haven't yeah, gotten I mean, back to Diablo 2. I should go back to it's Diablo It's had a good launch. It's had, like, 800,000 on uh, uh, playing at the same time on Steam. Yeah, yeah, eight hundred thousand. It seems to be doing really well. Yeah, it is doing really well, and I love the Steam the uh, Steam forum, in which there's some threads that are go woke, go broke. That's yeah, sure. Uh, here's the thing. What um, about Baldur's Gate three? Oh, because it actually has gay people in it, and people who people who aren't white. But here's the thing: is that Barbie sure isn't going ain't going broke. That's true. And, I mean, Pillars 2 had characters flirting with you, Mass Effect. I mean, but it's going to be the same problems. I mean, Drag Race is not going broke either. And Lyrian is not going broke. (laughs) Sorry to to say this, but Lyrian's not going broke. Lyrian's doing quite well, thank you very much. So, but I will say this, I had a lot more fun with with Hi-Fi Rush. And it's a completely different game, I know. But I was going to say, like, that feels like an apple to orange thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think I'm in the mood to have fun. Because sometimes... Here's the, here's the problem I have with a lot of games. Sometimes they feel like video work. And I don't play video work. I play video games. So... I, I think uh, um, TJ said a good point because it's like... The gaming is different for everyone. He loves fighting games. That's not my cup of tea. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about Evo later. <laughs> but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, talk down on the fighting I'm, games. Here's the thing. They're fun to him. I've played epic role-playing games before. Like I said, I couldn't. I couldn't get my nose out of Dragon Age Origins. My first playthrough in Dragon Age Origins, because it tells you how long you've been playing, was over a hundred hours. And for some reason, that didn't it didn't feel like a oh okay no I, I will say the deep roads always felt like a slog even then like when are we gonna get out of these friggin' deep roads I'm tired of the deep roads yes it's a tunnel it keeps on going on and on and on I don't care anymore <laughs> stupid Orzammar I I stopped playing for a long while Dragon Age or uh, Dragon Age Inquisition because I did not like the gameplay of it. But when I came back to it, I played it a lot more, and it's one of my favorite stories. So, you know, sometimes you have to be in the right state of mind. And Baldur's Gate 3, yeah. um, it's not in the state of mind. 
And I don't know. I'm going to play on walkthrough. They have three modes. They have um, exploration. They have – oh, I forgot what the middle version is. And then they have the tough version. I may just go with exploration, which basically is the story mode. You know, it, But even in the story mode, it's I, I hear it's very difficult anyway. Some of the looking, battles are unfair. I am looking forward to Sea of Stars when that comes out at the end of August. By the way, a uh, news item that uh, we don't have listed out there, uh, Sea of Stars is officially going to be a launch PlayStation Plus game, too. So now you have uh, Xbox Game Pass and PlayStation Plus day one for Sea of Stars. Nice. Yep. Yeah, that game will do real well. Yeah, but it's also been pushed back because people are just like <laughs> – people are, are – are, are, Getting away from Starfield like it's a meteor that's going to strike the Earth. <laughs> By the way, um, the th- the re- uh, for those who don't know, Baldur's Gate 3 is not on Xbox because um, Microsoft insists on Xbox Series X and S par- par- parity. And the th- one thing that the Xbox Series S cannot do is the split screen. Mm. And I want to tell oh. I want to tell Larian, hey Larian, here's an idea for you. Why not make the split screen a DLC? A free deal, a free DLC, and then you can release the same game on Xbox Series S and Xbox Series X and have the split screen be an alternative uh, downloadable content. Problem solved. I know people are going to be inconsolable about that fact, but like, I. You're on an Xbox Series S, which is good. Props to Larry. You have to give props to Larian for not just giving up on it. No, I mean, they're not going to give up on it. Several. No, I'm saying they've said several times at this point that we're going to make the Xbox version happen. We just have to figure out how. Yeah, because that's an entire segment that they're losing money on right now. But I will say this. Um, Microsoft may have its own solution to the Xbox Series S, and we'll be discussing that later in the podcast. <laughs> so I know you want to jump in. What have you been playing, TJ? That was not a Devo. Uh, Remnant. Remnant 2, okay. Yeah, more Remnant 2. Still love that game. It's so ridiculously good how much it surprises. Like, man, I loved the original game, and I, like, came into this game like, how are you going to impress me? I already saw what you did the first time. Yeah, some people are saying there's a bullshit factor to it, though. What do you mean? Uh, at the last, in, in some of the last world, it's like the enemies have a bullshit factor to them. Like, oh, oh, you're full health. Well, guess what? I'm going to take away nine-tenths of that. Thank you. Oh, so it's the, S- it's, the S- it's the SNK issue. <laughs> I read about that, and it's people playing on Apocalypse mode, which is the hardest mode in the game. No, of even in the easier. Well, I don't know I don't know what level they're playing at. I just know that... They are. They're, play- the- they're playing Apocalypse, and they made a pet. They were cheesing it with, like, one of the, fortifica- one of the stats, Fortification... And then uh, Remnant was like, well, that's the fucking hardest mode in the game, so no. <laughs> and they patched it. No, it wasn't using – it wasn't fortification or something else. But anyways, it's SNK boss syndrome. You know what I'm talking about. But that's fine. There was a boss like that in the first game too that if you didn't like kill it fast enough, it would do an attack that was like an area of effect that would insta-kill like everybody. Yeah. And that thing was ridiculous to kill. But it felt good when I did it. Um, that said, like – I don't know. I, I I saw stories going around today about like they nerfed the fortification fact uh, trait because oh. people were using it to cheese really hard parts of Apocalypse. Did you use uh, the character who gets a dog? There is a character that gets a dog. That's a handler. <laughs> um, and uh, that dog, like that 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 archetype, is perfect for playing solo in that game because like 
if you die on on solo, you just die. If you get die in a co-op game, your your friends can pick you up and uh, get you back into the fight. But if you're playing handler in solo mode, your dog can pick you up and get you back into the fight and heal you and uh, buff you. So did I, you take I the would... cowboy character? What's that? The cowboy character. The guy with the guns. I... I went with Hunter because okay. I like doing lots and lots of damage in a short order. My uh, my whole jam is glass cannon. I want to kill you faster <laughs> than you can kill me. Um, and I like I have a good setup of weapons to do that right now. I have a uh, I have what is essentially like a scorpion spear chain where I throw it into enemies and rip it out, and it causes initial big damage and then bleed damage over time. Then I'll uh, shoot like this bomb that pops caltrops all over the floor and slows enemies and does damage to them as they walk through. And this is kind of this thing where I like stack as many status effects on an enemy as possible while hitting criticals all on them. <laughs> it's so fun and so satisfying. And like the gunplay is just like really spot on for being what is essentially an action RPG. I, uh, I really enjoy hitting the headshots and, and finding those crits in, in key moments. It's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, uh, Remnant was an out of nowhere hit. I don't think people were expecting it to be a Souls like. Yeah, I certainly didn't expect it when when my colleagues introduced it to me. I was like, I didn't care. Like from from the first glance, I didn't care too much for it. But once I played it, I was like, okay, I get it. I understand. This is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I remember. Um, I visited this guy, right, um, just an acquaintance, and uh, he was playing Civilization. And I said, what, what is that? He said, oh, it's Civilization. I'm addicted to it. I said, okay. So I, I waited, and then when I went, I finally, okay, I'll try it out. And then I got addicted to it. So it's that sort of thing in which you hear about a game, and people are talking great about it. You say, oh, what's so great about it? And then you actually play it and say, oh, that's what's so great about it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that is that. That's the vibe. That's the vibe I got with the first remnant, and like coming into second remnant, I was concerned that they wouldn't be able to top themselves. Besides just doing better graphics, but they really have done a great job of just making everything a little bit better. And by the way, that's the vibe I have with uh, Legend Bowl. Um, it's like I saw the trailer. I saw a trailer, a teaser trailer for it, like a couple of months ago, saying "coming to console." And it's like, okay. And then I looked at the comments, and everybody was getting all excited about, "Oh, it's coming to console!" You know, it's so great. You know, it's like, oh, so this Tecmo Bowl, this eight eight slash sixteen bit homage of a football game, has a lot of people excited. I'm gonna have to keep an eye on this one. And oh, by the way, it's one of those games which is developed by one person, you know, like Stardew Valley and this. So it's sort of like, yeah, it's one of those labors of love that this person just keeps on iterating and keeps on iterating and keeps on working on until he has it perfectly down, sort of like Stardew Valley. That's what Legend Bowl is. It's like, oh, what's so great about – oh, I see. Oh, I haven't played this in a while, but I played it in early access. I like this one a lot. Legend Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This it's a single developer and – um. The franchise mode, I haven't gotten into it yet, but it already feels extremely deep. Have you, uh, what do you think of the throwing in the game? It's fine. It's, it's, it's still like Tech Mobile. If I, are they still doing the thing where like 
if you tap it, it does like a lob. Yeah, it does a lob, and it does a long lob. You have to make, you have to be careful not to do an extreme lob. It's just going to stay up there for a long while. Or if you hold it, then you'll throw it like a bullet. Yeah, but the problem is that the 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 bar, you know, the the strength bar, is very fast. So if you hold it down too quickly, he's gonna it, it, what's it called, and it gets into the red, you lose accuracy. Right, and you end up throwing it into the ground. One of my few problems with it was just how hard it was to throw an accurate pass. Um, once you get used to it, you know that you're not trying to really, you know, time it for a hundred percent. You just have a feel to know when it's like at its seventy or eighty, right? Just, just get enough of it so it's a, it's a, it's a bullet pass. But you're not trying to get a hundred percent. You know, it's sort of like the kicking in that too. The kicking was really difficult for me until I stopped saying, "Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm just, not, I'm not going to try and hit it max." I'm just going to try and hit it at 80. It's one of those yeah. things in which you got to feel for, right? At first, yeah. I could not run a yard, and then I started figuring out what I'm supposed to be doing. So, yeah, yeah. Legend Ball, like I said, is a nice little surprise, and it's a great alternative to uh, Madden. There's been a lot of games, these indie games, that have been trying to, you know, draw people away from Madden because of the mess that Madden is with Madden Ultimate Team and all that stuff. And, one, you know, and... Basically, all they did was uh, make really shitty versions of Madden, except without the MUT. And this game came along and said, you know, I'm not going to try and imitate Madden. I'm just going to be – I'm going to try and imitate Tech Mobile and work on that. And it's worked, you know. It's like Super Mega Baseball. Super Mega Baseball doesn't look like MLB The Show, does it? But people still love it because it's great baseball. Mm-hmm. Of course, on PC, you know, they have mods to give you the real teams and all that stuff, but, you know. Anyways, um, we're going to move on to the quick news. EA is closing service for Crisis 3, Dead Space 2, and Dante's Inferno. And earlier, they already announced it was closing the service for Kingdoms of Amalur, Shadows of the Damned, Syndicate, and Warp. Uh, that's the price you pay for, you know, for having multiplayer aspects or online aspects for, uh, for a lot of older games. At some point, whoever's owning the servers is going to say, yep, that's it. The problem I have with people with this is that why don't they ever allow people to have their own servers then? You know, is it some legal fear? I don't get it. I would bet it's some sort of legal fear, but also like, I don't know. Because if I remember, Kingdoms of Amalur, the online aspect was tied into it like Dragon's Dogma. Are there many games these days that let you buy, like, let you? set up a private server like modern games i don't know i think you have to hack it and uh, i think you have to have people do mods for it to allow it to do that i mean now i mean at some point they loosen because i know there's a cities of cities of heroes um mmo that people run that's uh, off you know that's uh, private servers i thought kingdoms of amalur was a single player game it is but there's a there's a multiplayer aspect to it like dragon's dogma so while you still can play the game, you're going to be missing a chunk of it because you can't you can't have friends, you know, lending them their. I forgot what it is, but I know there's an online aspect of Kings of Adam lore that that was a pretty neat concept for the time. Oh, that does suck then. Okay. Um, the big controversy of the week, aside from many other things, Red Dead Redemption comes to Switch and PS4. The remaster is MIA, and everybody's complaining that it's going to be fifty bucks. Because it's not a remaster, it's just a port. Yeah, I've seen the memes where they, they show it in the worst possible way, looking like 
really, really bad. I don't know why they think it's going to look so bad. I mean, no, $50 is taking the piss of it, because if I go to the Xbox store, you can buy it there for 30 bucks. Yeah. It's also worth noting that the multiplayer is absent from the from the new editions coming out, yeah. which, I don't know, that's like you're missing a third of the game right there. And um, there's a lot of speculation that Red Dead Redemption 3 is going to be coming out. Because of this. Uh, one thing, here's the thing. Um, that's, that's copium if I ever heard of it. That's what? It's copium. copium. Yeah, basically he doesn't believe it. Okay, here's the thing. Um, Rockstar just announced its um, its earnings potential or whatever, you know, how much they think they're going to make. Last year they said $2.5 billion. For 2023... They bumped it up from 2.5 billion to 8 billion, which is which makes people think that they're about to announce something. And um, one of the things that they really think it's going to be is for Grand Theft Auto Six, and they're going to announce it for October. You think they're going to put out Grand Theft Auto Six this year? Yeah, I actually if 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 they just bumped up their expected earnings. From 2.5 billion to 8 billion, there's something big coming, and it, it's either Red Dead Redemption 3, which I don't think because they have not said a peep about that, but they did confirm they were working on Grand Theft Auto 6. And what has Rockstar been doing all this time? Only I mean, two. number two came out in what 2015, I think it was. I think it was 2015 that it came out. That's eight years ago. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just didn't even think of the possibility that Grand Theft Auto 6 would launch this year when, like, A, the year is so packed, and B, that game has been in, like, development limbo for the, for, it was rumored for, like, four years, and then they finally announced it, but they still haven't shown even a lick of gameplay from it. Red Dead Redemption 2 came out in 2018, which means for five years they've been working on what? Red Dead Redemption Online and Guilty Gear. No, 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 that's, that's, that. You have a you have a smaller team that that curates the online thing. It's sort of like um, not for Grand Theft Auto Online. That's like their bread and butter. Yeah, that's making money, but you don't need a you don't need a large development team for that. <laughs> I mean, look, it, uh, Obsidian is working on The Outer Worlds too, and um, and uh, Avowed, and they're still and they're still they're still building they're still contributing to Grounded. You know, they haven't stopped right. uh, releasing content. So I have a feeling that it's going to be Grand Theft Auto 6 in October. I'm guessing Bully 2. They're going to surprise launch. That's a fantasy. Quite, that, that's oh. what people want. That's not what they're going to get. That'll be quite the drop if they did Grand Theft Auto 6. I mean, like TJ said, this has been a very packed year. Starfield. Uh, hasn't come out quite yet until man it's it's gonna be a heavy fall if that uh that is what happens yeah I, i'm pretty sure it, or they might announce uh grand theft auto 6 in october 2023 but i know that they've been working on grand theft auto 6 for five years they just they just said they're gonna make eight billion dollars the next financial yeah i mean that that's their earnings prediction. I think they I think Grand Theft Auto Six is about to drop soon. And oh by the way, Strauss Zelnick is very cagey about it. 
right now. So there's no way, there's there's nothing like saying I ha- I what's it called? I can't comment than people taking it to mean con- confirmation. Anyways, moving on to the next items, and uh, TJ, I'll let you talk about this. Tekken 8 won't have Denuvo, and the director tells fans to calm down about it. Katsuhiro Harada announced the worries that the latest game might make use of the unpopular anti-piracy software. Yeah, so there was rumor that <laughs> that 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 uh, Tekken 8 might be making use of Denuvo because uh, somebody got to the end-user license agreement in Tekken 8 during the uh, closed network test and discovered uh, uh, the wording of Denuvo in there. And basically, that a lot of that end-user license agreement was copied over from Tekken 7, which included, unfortunately, that Denuvo part. However, the, he was like, no, we're not going to be putting Denuvo in the new game. And uh, But, like, Denuvo is a dirty word in the gaming industry, and you get a lot of loud and angry people the moment it pops up. Uh, just, <laughs> just just wait until someone says Star Force. And so, like, they they went off the they went off the chain about it, and and basically got real toxic about it. All Harada said, all Harada had to say was, "We're not an Ubisoft game. Come on." Well, Harada is the last person you go to and be toxic at about the game he's making. He's not like he's not he's not the platinum games guy where he'll block you right away. He'll actually quote retweet you and say, "Shut the hell up, sit down, you're <laughs> wrong. Here's what's going on. Be quiet." <laughs> and that's essentially what happened here. Is they said we're not putting Denuvo in Tekken Eight, and also. You guys need to stop being allergic to every little thing you hear because <laughs> well, uh, people are going to take that to say, yeah, there's going to be Denuvo then. Uh, because like they do here, like rumors do run around about fighting games a lot because everybody wants to know who's going to be in the roster and, and how they're going to play. And everyone wants to be the first to break news about who like the first look at them and what they're doing. And it's a hard I imagine it's a hard mess to try to keep uh, new content close to your chest when you're when you're making a game like Tekken, especially, especially when, when they're. I was about to say, especially when it's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, but we'll be talking about that later. <laughs> well, especially when they're launching simultaneously on PC and uh, PS5 and Xbox this time, because now they're in a situation where, like, when they do these network tests. PC players are going to dig around in those files. They always do. <laughs> yes, I remember. I seem to remember Pac-Man was part of uh, Street Fighter X uh, Tekken. Was it Tekken? Dude? And it was one of the Street Fighter X crossovers. They said, oh, look, there's DLC that's on the disc already, like Pac-Man. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, the next uh, new, major news that came out of, uh, well, not there's three major news, but the next major news that came out of Evo was uh, Killer Instinct 2013 10th anniversary update announced at Evo. Uh, the lead designer James Guitar took the stage at Evo 2023 to announce Killer Instinct's update, and Iron Galaxy has also confirmed its involvement. Um, there's a reason why those two things are huge, James Guitar, because he's one of the co-founders, one of the co-creators of Killer Instinct, and Iron Galaxy was the developer who shepherded killer instinct uh through seasons two and three when the previous developer who everybody loved had to bow out and it's sort of like there's this new developer who's basically done shit 
And since Killer Instinct, they've done shit too. I think Iron Galaxy found their their calling with Killer Instinct. But it's like Microsoft, like two years ago, said we would love to add new seasons, but uh, we don't have anybody to replace Iron Galaxy. So now they have Iron Galaxy back, and fan Killer Instinct fans are going nuts over this. Yeah, this was a weird surprise, right? Because the last time that Killer Instinct was updated was probably... Six years ago, seven years ago, something like that? Something like that. And the last time that it got any major news of any capacity was Phil Spencer said he'd like to continue making games in the series in 2020. It's already been three years since Phil Spencer said that. And so... It's been radio silent for a very long time. And suddenly at Evo 2023, they're just like, here we go. 10th anniversary, big patch, new update, uh, character balances, rollback net code, 4K support, all that jazz. And it's like, wow, that's uh, not only is that uh, an odd just thing to come out of the woodwork. It's an Xbox game at a Sony owned uh, event. Here's the thing about about Iron Galaxy. When... People found out that they had been released from uh, – it wasn't Rumbleverse. I think it was Extinction. It's sort of like or, – or maybe it was Rumbleverse, you know, when that failed. It's sort of like, um, well, Iron Galaxy is, is free now. What are they going to do? And I'm pretty sure more than a few people thought, well, maybe they should go back to Killer Instinct. And they, they have. I mean, they, they have been doing ports. I mean, they've always been doing ports. They just did the port for um, Metroid Prime Remastered, you know, for Nintendo Switch. They did the Uncharted uh, port. So so they do a lot of ports, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what's, what's, uh, what, what they – a lot of people are just hoping it's a new season with new, with new fighters. Yeah, I don't know if it's like I think I I really do feel like they're testing the waters with this because uh, there's a lot that they still need to. I mean, people have been asking for the next Killer Instinct for a while because a lot of people loved that game. It was a very good time for games and it was a very good time for like to see when that when season two and season three were in full swing, like people were super hype all the time for Killer Instinct. It was really kind of golden age for that series. And while Rare wasn't exactly involved, I mean, actually, Rare was involved with the previous developer in, in shepherding the game, but it was the first time that Microsoft really got something big out of the Rare properties. You know, I mean, yes, there was Viva Pinata and all that stuff, but I mean, the classic Rare properties, right? This is the first time that people really got, saw something that they could do a next generation version of. Anyways. Uh, we're going to move on to game news. Rumor. Microsoft planning on Xbox Series X Digital Edition. And this comes from VG Charts. Microsoft is ruined to be a rumored to be planning a digital-only version of the Xbox Series X, according to Xbox Era co-founder Nick Baker, speaking during the latest Xbox Era podcast, who spoke with a couple of sources. Baker didn't provide any more details on a possible digital-only Xbox Series X. However, he did speculate it could be a revision of the Xbox Series X that could make the console smaller. Uh, Baker also claimed that Microsoft has, quote-unquote, more plan- plans for more other hardware in 2025, but he didn't say what the uh, hardware could be. Oh, come on. It's, it's, that's silly. Of course we know it. It's, it's the midway point of the, for the console. Uh, Microsoft in 20, uh, November 2020 released the Xbox Series X for 500 bucks and the digital-only Xbox Series S for 300 
A one terabyte model of the Xbox Series S in carbon black was is set to release uh, on September 1st for $350. So yeah, um, for the the other hardware in 20, that's kind of obvious. I mean, all right now having a mid mid a mid generation release is de rigueur. You know, I mean, PlayStation always comes up with a slim version of their of their thing, like the PlayStation 4 Slim, the PlayStation 3 Slim, the PlayStation 2 Slim, and Microsoft does that as well. I mean the Xbox uh, the Xbox One X and the Xbox One S, but I think we were talking before about Baldur's Gate three, and I think that's why Microsoft may be coming out with a digital version digital only version of the Xbox Series X so that they can retire the Xbox Series S and still keep parity right. They'll have an inexpensive version of the Xbox Series S, which is just as powerful as the disc version, because there a lot of developers, a lot of them, are saying that Microsoft's insistence to have parity between the Xbox Series S and X is a huge mistake, and Baldur's Gate 3 is a major example of that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I yeah, I I fully agree with that. Like. It feels like the Xbox Series S has been holding the X back for ever since this console generation began, because you're talking about like two th- two consoles that do very different things as far as what they're capable of. The 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 Xbox Series S isn't even capable of doing 4K. It's it can do 1080p at best. Well, the uh, Xbox Series S was always intended to be like micro, and they actually Phil Spencer said it is supposed to be their answer to the Switch. Right, and I mean it's supposed to also be a co- a cost-effective option for people that didn't have like five hundred dollars to spend on a console. Also, it uh, was also the only version that was available for a very long time during the pandemic. Remember, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation Five are extremely hard to find, and the only console that was readily available was the Xbox Series S. But now you're ending up in a situation where literally, like games are games that are coming to Xbox consoles are being held back by having to work within the constraints of the S. And Microsoft knows that because they have to send out the dev kits. And developers are coming back saying, listen, uh, we'd love to release this on the Xbox Series X, but we're going to have to compromise it if you want it to be, if you want to have parity with the Xbox Series S. Yeah, and I think that that's a shame because it means that there's less stuff for it. It means that, like... If it means that a developer has to do that much more work than a game, you're going to end up with more situations like Baldur's Gate where they want to put it on Xbox, but they just it'll take more time. And, you know, I mean, there'll be some complaints for people with it, but it's like, you know, don't worry. I mean, the, uh, developers still know you exist. It's not that hard to make an Xbox Series S version of an X game, except you just won't have parity as much. You know, you just won't have some features. And that actually happened in earlier Xbox generations. I remember that um, the Xbox uh, 360, there were versions of the Xbox 360 in which you said, no, you can't do it with that 360. You have to have the other 360. So it isn't it isn't with, something new. Same with PS3 to PS4, where, like, you had some features on PS4 games that, like, the PS3 version was not as good and didn't and what and was yeah, but those are two different de- generations. I'm talking about within the same generation. Oh sure. I mean, you did have that though. I mean, there were some uh, games that uh, the PS3 uh, Slim could do that the PS3 could not. 
Yeah. And it's a shame. It's it's like I I I just don't believe that there's if if you can get your hands on a PC, I don't think there's any good reason to have a Xbox console right now. Why? Just because a PC can do everything that Xbox is doing. So a PC can do anything that a PlayStation can do. I don't see your point. <laughs> That's not true. There's games that release on play on PlayStation that don't release on PC right away. That, That's true. Several. But, the, but I don't think I don't think there's a single Xbox game out there that can't be played on PC on the same day. That's because Microsoft releases its first party games day one. Right. But that's what I'm saying. But that's just that it's when you it's, consider that when you consider the fact. Well, that Microsoft considers if you're playing on Windows, you're playing with one of their games. So. But what I'm saying is that if you consider the fact that you can play anything you can play on an Xbox on a PC. But on here's the difference. Really how much is and how much? Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Okay. And that if it is an Xbox only game, then you're having to wait a longer period of time for it to come out. And there's no such thing as an Xbox only game. But here's the thing. How much does a good rig cost for P? Uh, how much does a good rig PC cost? I got one for four thousand uh, dollars. No, one a little bit more than a thousand. Yeah, that's oh. playing Baldur's Gate three. How much does an I Xbox Series X cost? Uh, I guess less. But how much does it? How much does a? How much does a forty seventy Nvidia card cost? Look, all I'm saying is that <laughs> I can play anything on an. I can play anything on an Xbox on a PC. And I can That's try fine. anything that isn't on a PC yet on a PlayStation because it usually comes to PlayStation first. There's That's no fine. good reason to have an Xbox. Microsoft doesn't care um, because, uh, let me put it this way, Starfield is cross-buy for a reason, which I, I which don't... I still think is a, is a ma- which is a great deal. I mean, I play uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War on my Xbox. Then I go over to my PC and I play it, and I can start from the save point that I had on my Xbox because it just ports it over. So, so like I play between the two anytime I want. So. Yeah, but you know who does care and who should care is Xbox players because they're getting fucked on every front. That's not true. Yes, they are. <laughs> Except for Xbox Game Pass. That's the shining light in the dark for Xbox. So the other thing, um, and I don't think I have it here. No, I don't. Okay. So let's talk about the entire rumor about the Switch 2 now. Because from what I understand, um, they're talking about it going back to an L, uh, to an LED, no, an LCD screen, right? Because right now they had an OLED. What? That would make no sense whatsoever after they just put out the OLED. But that's just it. They're thinking about going back. That would for the be X, dumb. For the OLED the, is much better. But here's the thing: they 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 feel that you know for the tiny screen that you have, it doesn't really make any sense. And um, what's what's going on is that. From what I understand, they're getting suggestions uh, from developers, and I'm going to tell you right now the biggest suggestion I, I'm, I'm betting any betting your bottom dollar on is we want storage. That's why the Xbox Series S getting a uh, getting a one terabyte hard drive is so big because you know right now storage is a big thing. Yeah. They do need to do better storage on the on those, or at least allow for like high capacity cards. By the way, they also soft confirmed in a way um, player mods on the console version of Starfield because um, they have a, on the bottom of the thing they have um, Bethesda Net might be was blah 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 blah. So here's the thing about Bethesda.net: you never need it to play a game, but you absolutely need it to be able to download player mods. 
And by the way, player mods is going to be a big thing on, on, on Starfield because you know that everybody's talking about all those empty planets. Well, guess what? Yeah. Hey, mods, you want to build something on those empty planets? <laughs> yeah. And not, not only that, but uh, like you're going to see bug fix pat, uh, mods. You're going to see uh well, not on the Xbox you're version. Gonna, you're going to see uh, things that like, people are going to take certain mods. The I first mod that's going to be made is the DLSS mod. I remember one of the funniest things that came out of Fallout 4 in its early modding days was uh, somebody made it so that you could take uh, that you could take the baby model and turn it and swap it out with the mini nuke, so that you could uh, launch babies out of the mini nuke launcher and they would explode like an atomic bomb when they hit something. <laughs> I still prefer the Resident Evil 2 mod, which turns Mr. X into Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> that that's the best mod ever, aside from the. Um, did you ever see the mod? I, I talked about it in another podcast. Did you ever see the mod for God of War? Um, not, was it just called God of War? Yeah, it was just called God of War, in which um, they turned Kratos and his son into Homer and Bart, and uh, Balder was at Ned Flanders. Did you see that mod? Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyways, uh, Square Enix's profits drop after Final Fantasy, quote-unquote, didn't make expectations. This comes to us from Verdict. Uh, just so you know that who Verdict is, uh, Verdict is one of the reporting arms of global data. So this is, this is going to be a little dry, okay? Video game publisher Square Enix reported 79% decline in operating profit according to its qu- uh, second quarter 2023 earnings on Friday, making it the worst intraday drop in almost three years according to the Bloomberg report. The Japanese company, known for its popular Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy franchises... So, wait, isn't Kingdom Hearts part of Final Fantasy? Kingdom Hearts is supposed to be a crossover with Final Fantasy, damn it. They're not different. Anyway, said the long-awaited Final Fantasy release this year didn't make expectations. Square Enix's stocks were down as much as 15% on Monday, getting to their lowest since May of last year. Square Enix president Takashi Kiryu said that, as well as the disappointing Final Fantasy release... Supply constraints causing a low, slow release on the PlayStation 5 also limited sales. Kiryu said that the uh, company will be making steps to boost sales further now that the PlayStation 5 is more widely available. I don't get that statement, but moving on. Uh, the news comes as capital raising uh, deals for the video game industry has already seen an increase in 2023. So the industry is now worth $270 billion, more than doubling 2021's $179 billion variation, according to global data. So here's the thing. Um, Video games are going up, but Square Enix is going down. So it's having your stocks drop as much as 15%. I believe that's like a $1 billion loss. It's it's brutal. So, yeah, the thing about Final Fantasy is doesn't it always have really high first week and then it just drops like a stone in the second and third weeks? On every Final Fantasy game, it seems. That is strange because, like, I everyone I've talked to who's played Final Fantasy 16 mostly enjoyed it. Well, yeah, and it doesn't feel like it was going slow at all. Like, I, I feel like there was a lot of hype around. There was it a lot of hype, bit. yeah. It's just strange to see, like, if see. I, here's I, the problem: I, this is not this is not a movie, so it's not like. Um, after seeing Final Fantasy 16 again, you're going to go see it again. You already bought the game. Right. I, uh, 
I have to wonder if they like didn't lower their expectations from Final Fantasy 15 to Final Fantasy 16, despite the fact that Final Fantasy 15 was a multi-platform launcher. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, there is a Sony exclusivity. Um, PC version isn't out yet. Because Final Fantasy 15 launched on Xbox, PC, and PlayStation yeah. at the same time, didn't it? Remember that line that it kept on saying on every cutscene? This is a new Final Fantasy experience for the new. Why are they saying that on the on the load screen? Why do they keep saying this is a great experience for the new player? What the hell? Didn't you find that bizarre? Oh, and it wasn't that. even once. It was every single freaking time. Go ahead, yeah. Scott. Scott, you said something. No, uh, t- go on, TJ. I just have to. I just have to wonder, like, exactly what the expectations were for um, Final Fantasy 16 because I can't figure out if they were too high or like what happened there. Well, apparently, it was too high. But I'm gonna see right now what the Final Fantasy 16 total sales were because, um, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so 336,000. And it broke the PlayStation 5, but that's only in Japan. Um, so it brought it. It was the highest retail launch for any PlayStation 5 game in the region. Uh, 336,000. To give you an idea, number two was 90,000 for Elden Ring. So it's the best retail launch ever for a PS5 game. That's so wild. So in Japan, at least. So I, I mean, we can probably extrapolate that to the United States. I'm pretty sure it was really, really big in the United States. But then the drop off. I think the worldwide was like eight hundred and ninety thousand. I'm not quite sure. Or am I thinking of Baldur's Gate three? Because I know eight hundred ninety was the highest peak uh, concurrent on PC for Baldur's Gate three. It's got to be like that. They were that the executives were were expecting the same sales numbers as when they did a multi platform launch. Then because that just seemed that makes no sense to me. Let's see. I'm looking at this. Oh, I don't care about Bing. Thank you. Okay, so um. Uh, a total, there have been 3 million copies of the game sold. Which isn't bad. You know, 3 million is, is, is a lot of people's targets, so they must have really been expecting a lot more. But, again... That's, that's a shame, too. And I hope it doesn't, like, dissuade them from trying more stuff like that. I think... Well, here's the thing. We Big news uh, in the past week was that Final Fantasy XIV is finally coming to Xbox. Um, I think they're starting to think maybe we should release on more platforms because the same thing happened to Final Fantasy, whatever part two, it just sank like a stone. Um, yeah, I mean, like if you had Final Fantasy 16 coming out on PC and Xbox Series X at, at the, the same, same time, time. Yeah. But I remember how that number would probably be at least like five or six million. I'm talking about Final Fantasy seven also dropped, dropped like a rock, too. So, yeah, um, but. You know what the funniest thing about Final Fantasy XIV is coming to Xbox? Back in 2013, when it first came out, um, Microsoft had the policy, no cross-platform online play. We want to use our own servers. And then in 2016, they completely reversed themselves. And now it was Sony who didn't want to have cross-platform play on servers anymore. And in 2020, um, there were certain restrictions that were loosened by, by Square Enix and the online play. I think that's basically when Phil Spencer started going hard in on trying to get Final Fantasy XIV to the Xbox. And it's fine. I mean, I'm glad people are happy that Final Fantasy XIV is coming to the 
Xbox. There's a lot of people who really want to play it on Xbox. I don't care. I, I've gotten beyond MMOs. Or at least paying for MMOs. Final Fantasy XIV is the one that if I was going to get into an MMO, I would probably get into that one. Okay. Just because every time I see it on my friend's feed, they look, they look so happy <laughs> and it looks so fun. And there's so much content to explore in that game. I I kind of want to be a dragoon. I kind of want to be a summoner. World of Warcraft I is... I want to just explore a few different characters. Yeah, World of Warcraft, is, World of Warcraft has gotten a little too professional. You know, yeah. in that... People professionally do raids in that game. It's like it's getting to League of Legends things in which you're if you're a scrub, you're you're viewed as if you're a noob. It's like no, no, get away. Yeah. And they just want you to zip you to level sixty immediately. That was the fun part for me for the World of Warcraft when I was first playing. You know, it was going through the stories, going through the content at a nice leisurely pace. I and heard. Along the lines of this report that cons- that Square Enix was thinking on cutting back on smaller to mid-tier projects and focusing more on its AAA stuff, which, oh my goodness, I hope that they at least get Star Ocean out the door and uh, <laughs> Dragon Quest uh, the three the Dragon Quest three remake out the door before they even think about doing that because. Those are those are what I would consider to be like mid tier, but they're also really cool projects coming out of Square Enix. I love that they still care about their history and and bring stuff back. Anyways, I'm happy that next year they're going to have uh, Final Fantasy 14 on Xbox. I mean, there's a lot of people who want to do it, and no, it really adding a huge chunk of players to the world with crossplay can't be bad for the MMO. Mm-hmm. Scott, you there? Scott? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Next item. Yeah. Take it. Okay. Uh, no problem. Okay, Square Enix profit no. up after... No? No, suit again. Okay. Suikoden 1 and 2 HD remaster is still planned for 2023 release. This is from Twisted Voxel. Konami is currently planning a 2023 release for Suikoden 1 and 2 HD remaster based on the latest information. According to Konami Group Corporation's 20... Uh, fiscal year 2024, first quarter financial results, Sukaden 1 and 2 Remaster, are still planned for release in the year 2023. The publisher has not provided a more concrete release window. However, uh, while no uh, specific release window has been assigned to Sukaden 1 and 2 HD Remaster by Konami, it is recently revealed by an Australian game retailer that is scheduled to hit store shelves sometime in October 2023. <laughs> you know, uh, TJ, imagine if that's the time that Grand Theft Auto 6 is released. <laughs> hey, I mean, counter-programming. I, I, I don't think that'll be too big an issue. I think people who want Sukaden are not always the same people that really want No, Grand they're definitely Auto, not. So like, that's, that's why it's called counter-programming. Yeah. Uh, if this information is true, the game will be released a little... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> will be released a little over a year since its official announcement back in 2022. The Suka 1 and 2 HD Remaster brings forth several enhancements to enhance the gameplay experience. All character portraits in Suka have been freshly drawn by Yunko Kawano, 
uh, adding new artworks to the game. Meanwhile, the portraits in Sukuden 2 remain the same, but have been updated to high definition. Both game features updated backgrounds with increased details, particularly in Sukuden, to better align with Sukuden 2 aesthetic. Additionally, the world maps have been completely redrawn, battle 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 battle. <laughs> Battle backgrounds and spell effects have also been enhanced to provide visually improved and experienced. The protagonist here from Sukuden now has a running animation, which has previously emitted in the earlier compilation that featured diagonal sprites. The music also sounds different, too. I was listening to one of the more uh, popular pieces, the uh, uh, Neck uh, neck Lords. They probably had an orchestra play at this time. Yeah, and it looks like some of the localization has been changed, too. So that that should be an improvement as well. So you're excited about this because you know oh, all, yeah, the, all the all the Oyudin Chronicle stuff is going to be tied in with this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to just owning it on Steam. That'll be great. And uh, yeah, I think um, there won't be any story elements, but there'll be certain mechanics I think that you'll recognize between the two games. The recruiting 110 people, or just recruiting in general, the building up of your base. All the different mini game stuff, uh, and the war battles and the duels. Wait, are you talking about Aid and Hundred Heroes, or are you talking about Sudigan? Both. I'm talking okay. about the, the <laughs> more mechanics between the games, and yeah, these are the things that they're going to share. So that way, you you know, this this will feel like uh, a, a spiritual successor, you know, like in the true sense of the word. You know, you have this political war. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably a civil war or at least some sort of big war happens and you recruit uh characters to your to, to your base and you build up your base and then you <clears throat> and then you go out and you do these war battles and then you'll get into one-on-one duels so there'll be a lot of little aspects that'll that are shared between the two games okay and uh you know looking forward to both yeah pj next item street fighter fi- i'm sorry Street Fighter 6 fans hit out at $15 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles DLC costumes from IGN. Capcom has come under fire for the high cost of Street Fighter 6's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles DLC. Each costume costs 750 fighter coins, or roughly $15. As is the video game premium currency way, you can't buy uh, 750 fighter coins exactly. You need to buy 610 coins for $12. And then get an extra 250 for five. I've always hated that script bullshit. And uh, if you want all four costumes, Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Ma- Michelangelo, you'll need 3,000 fighter coins. The cheapest way to, to buy that amount is to fork out $50 for 270, f- or I'm sorry, 2,750, and then $5 for 250. Or you can grind for fighter coins just by playing, but it will take you weeks, perhaps even months, to earn the, enough for these costumes. Uh, I don't think you actually can earn. I, I, there's a lot of debate on that. I don't know what the, the story is with that. Fighter coins are the premium currency. I, you can earn other currencies, but I don't think you can earn fighter coins. That's uh, I don't know if that's right. But anyways... It's worth noting that these Turtles costumes are just that. They're not new playable characters, but Avatar costumes for use in single-player world tour mode. Lobbies and Avatar battles. And not available in standard competitive multiplayer. The recently released brand new DLC character, Rashid, which costs 350 fighter coins, is cheaper than a single Turtles costume. 
while the $15 price tag for a Turtles costume is in line with the skins and uh, other live service games, the Street Fighter VI community has collectively hit out of Capcom for what they feel are overpriced pieces of DLC. Many are pointing out that the cost of the entire four DLC set is almost as much as Street Fighter VI itself. In response, some Street Fighter VI players have taken to creating avatars that look a bit like Turtles in a bid to stick it to Capcom. Saved 15 pounds, declared Reddit Herd Newcomb156, who posted a screenshot of the rudimentary Turtles-like Street Fighter VI avatar. They are not alone. And um, despite monetization missteps, Street Fighter VI is well-received by players and critics. It sold for $2 million so far. And uh, although Capcom wants to shift more than $10 million, for more on Street Fighter VI, check out the... Oh, sorry, I'm going to skip that. Um, yeah, but you can talk about that. I mean, just released uh, trailers for Rashid and AKI. So yeah, Rashid came out. AKI was re- was fully revealed at uh, at uh, Evo, and we had one of the most hype Street Fighter Six, and in fact, Street Fighter tourneys of all time. It was a seven thousand person tournament at Evo twenty twenty three for Street Fighter Six alone. That's a lot of people to go through on your way to a top finish. <laughs> and uh, everyone that was in the very end of that of that uh, top eight was like a Street Fighter god. The, these guys were like all putting up. You had to be you had to win three sets out of five to to move forward. And every single one of them was taking it to like three to three wins over two losses where they were playing all five games of the match. It was so intense and so electric, and it was so cool. And it's a shame that they kind of mar this first big DLC push for uh, Street Fighter with this dumb monetization, because that is a typical Street Fighter thing to do. You'd think it's selling over- two million copies would have been enough so far. They over-monetize their uh, cosmetics in, in, uh, in Street Fighter, and they have since the beginning of Street Fighter V. You could argue that they have since the beginning of Street Fighter versus Tekken. Um, it's well, just, yeah, the aforementioned DLC on the disc. It's just sleazy on their part. It's shades of it's shades of the old school of sleazy that pissed everybody off in the first place. Yeah. And I remember horse I armor know. for Oblivion. <laughs> yeah, ten dollar horse armor. I uh, I, and it's not I, even here's the thing. You know, at least uh, when you paid for the turtles and in Injustice Two. There were four characters who each had their own unique fighting style. I mean, there was something to it. It wasn't just a skin. Yeah, and this is literally just an Avatar skin. You can't use it in combat unless you're using it in a World Tour mode versus single player. You can't use it in a competitive. It's literally just to make your your character that you run around the lobby in look cooler. And And who wants to pay $15 for that? Let me pay like $5 for that. It's a lot of turtle. There's a lot of Ninja Turtle DLC going around. I mean, um, Microsoft is selling uh, Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle themed uh, controllers, and all this is because the uh, new Turtles movie is coming. Or the new did it did it already arrive or yeah? I, I don't know. Uh, you know the new Turtles movie? I think it came out. I think it came out already because I've been hearing people say it's really good. Okay, so like, it's all tie-in to the movie, right? So you'd think that maybe the movie could have. Finance some of that. It's like no, no, no. Just sell it for two dollars. You know, something, something more, something. You know, you can still make money. I mean, I don't know if you're going to make more money by making it this expensive. 
you make it like here's the thing if you sell something for a hundred dollars and only ten people buy it then you made a thousand dollars but if you sell something for one dollar and two thousand people buy it you made two thousand dollars right and i think that if you sold each turtle skin for like two to five bucks you would have people out there that would happily fork over that cash Fifteen dollars for a single DLC costume that you can't use in actual competitive is a steep price for for a cosmetic. I mean, people complain about the fifteen dollars for Call of Duty maps, but guess what? You can play on those maps. Those maps have more value because you can do right. shit on them. And and arguably, you can like like World Tour mode. Being able to take it there is kind of neat. Like people have been showing, Street Fighter VI has such a good character creator that you can just fudge a, a DLC costume like that. Yeah. I mean, you can't yeah, even make I mean, them say turtle things. Him, it's funny to see them side by side because, like, it's obviously like a, an FU to Capcom. But at the same time, it's like they made the character creator that good so that you could do silly things like that. So that's kind of, I don't know, slapping yourself in the face. Yeah, I remember uh, you were Soul Cal- Caliber. People were making Wonder Woman and Superman and the Hulk with their character creator. Yes, and uh, I don't know. I, I just think it's wacky by Capcom to that kind of price tag on on a cosmetic. Yeah, and not even a cosmetic for the main characters that you can use when you're fighting other people. Like, I don't know. Makes me want to go I play Injustice Two now. I was way more interested in the in the fact that they uh, showed off actual costumes for the main characters, because uh, some of the some of the costumes that they showed off were like, for instance, Marisa. Marisa is that really buff uh, uh, Italian lady. Uh-huh. Uh, she's dressed like a Roman soldier, and uh, she and uh, in, in World Tour mode, she like talks about what it would look like if she got married and they did art of like what her wedding dress would be. And she has like a Trojan mohawk, a red Trojan <laughs> mohawk in her outfit. And she's got like this burly, uh, open back wedding dress and it just looks awesome. And now they're going to make that into a costume that you can wear for her in the game. That's way more interesting to me than putting a Ninja Turtles outfit on my dumb little avatar that I can only show off in the lobby. Do more uh, stuff like that, Capcom. Stop being <laughs> an ass about uh, cosmetics. Yeah. On that note, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net. Along with industry news and our gaming history articles, we enjoy your feedback. So leave us comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, set us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Chard Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.